to another episode of Records Revisit, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who is sitting on an angry chair with angry walls that steal his air. Here's the rooster himself, my co-host from the left coast, Wayne Fugate. Uh, hola, Ben. I mean, but the rooster is my father. If you've ever listened to the song, that song goes on my uh, dad list every time. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is definitely about uh, Jerry's Jerry's dad. Um, did you at least like the angry chair references? Oh yes, I, I any chair I sit in is an angry chair. <laughs> well, I I chose I chose that since the lines in the song about corporate prison. We stay. I'm a dull boy. Work all day. That's been ringing in my ears the last few weeks at uh, at the, at the old job. The old salt mine. The old salt mine. Working in a coal mine. Actually, wait, I just quoted Devo, didn't I? Yeah, you just just went Devo on us. All right. Sorry, we're trying to we're trying to stay focused here on uh, on our topic, which is uh, if you couldn't figure out from Angry Chair and Rooster, today we are going to be talking about Alice in Chains. And as you know, we talk about music, but at the beginning of the podcast, we ask the all-important question, what t-shirt are you wearing? I am wearing my Dropkick Murphy uh, t-shirt. Nice. Okay. Uh, I, I'm, You know I'm seeing them in a couple months. Oh, I'm so jealous. Yes. I'm, uh, and, it's, and it's right around St. Patty's Day, too. So it's going to be a little rowdy, I think. Oh, I think I think that's a guarantee. Uh, so I will definitely be purchasing you another T-shirt at the uh, at the show, and uh, adding to my collection as well because their designs of T-shirts are pretty pretty dang awesome. So uh, for me, I am wearing my Foo Fighters Winnebago shirt. It's a green T-shirt that I picked up at the uh, at the show in Tampa last year. Really looking forward to their concert that they're doing in Atlanta the night before the Super Bowl. Um, I actually thought about driving up to Atlanta to watch it. But uh, after looking at the combined $150 concert ticket, the outrageously priced hotels in the area because of the Super Bowl, no rental cars in the area that were available, so I'd have to drive my own vehicle six hours plus to get up there. I just... I decided against it and so i will enjoy it from the privacy of my own home well sometimes it works out like that yeah probably be a better seat in my own house too yeah well unless it's still an angry chair unless it's an angry chair absolutely all right so uh in our celebration of great albums that are celebrating their 25th anniversary this year our first album that we're going to talk about is Jar of Flies by Alice in Chains. And and do I call it an album considering that technically it's an EP? Well, it's still an album. Uh, larger. Uh, the other one is LP. This is just an EP. There's still records. All right. all right. I guess when I was looking at all the, the albums that came out 25 years ago, this was one of the first ones, of course, in our, in the, you know, in the, on the calendar, but I, I really wanted to do this one just because leading up to Jar of Flies, I think that I was I was more of a passive 
Alice in Chains fan, but this is this is the album that really I think pushed me over to become a fan. I think um, leading up to this, you know, Alice in Chains wasn't really. I I, want to say that they were part of the grunge movement, but they were kind of on the periphery of it because I didn't feel like they had the same, didn't really have the same tone and feel as, you know, Pearl Jam and Nirvana and Soundgarden. I just felt like they were a little bit different from the rest of the guys. Well, I think all, I think they're all, I mean, what did somebody, I read some article I uh, was reading, referred to it as the uh, Mount Rushmore of grunge with Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Soundgarden, and Alice in Chains. They're all different. They're all very different. Um, Grunge is a weird label. I mean, this, but the local sound, one thing was, uh, I was in Alice in Chains actually probably earlier than a lot of people because their uh, facelift came out in 1990. But before yeah. that, and rock radio, you would, you would always hear KSW talk about local shows and Alice in Chains was always a show that, that was always a band that was out. Um, and they had much heavier, a um, lot, lot closer to Soundgarden than I would say uh, Pearl Jam and definitely Nirvana, but uh, a lot heavier more of a you know not i guess metal is a word that gets thrown around a lot too but it, they were more of but they were definitely a heavier band than than the other two but they were also early you they released facelift in 1990 the scene you know with nirvana and stuff all that happened in 91 so they were done touring and back in the studio when it kind of exploded so it, it seems like they were late to it but it was they were actually out in front of it yeah i remember soundgarden in high school yeah. You know, I remember, I, re- I remember that they were, they were definitely on the scene, you know, in 87. I don't remember what their first album was. I think it was 86, but, um, you know, Soundgarden was definitely ahead of the curve. You know, Pearl Jam definitely came later. Well, Pearl Jam is made up of a, a band that was out there. Um, right. I mean, it's even, I mean, if you can go past uh, Mother Love Bone to, to go, Malfunction. Go back to Green, Green River. Green River uh, is where the other guys were. Malfunction is was the band uh, that Andy Wood was in. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, the incarnation of Pearl Jam, I mean, came out of the death of Andrew Wood. Right, right. And we already, you and I both already kind of knew personnel from, from Allison Chains. Jerry Cantrell graduated from Spanaway Lake which was just down the road from where we graduated from. And everybody in the area, you know, we had friends that were musicians and everybody in the area knew who Jerry was. Oh, and so this, I mean, still to this day, that's, he's kind of, I mean, this Pierce County uh, legend, because people are, I, I've constantly, over the, I don't know how many people I ran into over the years that I, I've met his babysitter. I've met, I'm one of my, my, best friends uh went to school with them he even he claimed you know he he acknowledges they weren't good friends but they knew each other they they, he had classes with them i've met people that were in bands with him or say they were in bands with him but yeah he's kind of a is a a pierce county legend he's maybe the most famous person to ever come from spanaway yep yep all right so let's let's get into some of the 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 bio info on jar jar of fly so this was released on january 25th of 1994 this actually was recorded in one week which is uh, pretty amazing to to know during during that time where you know they were a known commodity 
they could have been in the the studio for weeks or months to to try and finish up an album this debuted at number one on the billboard 200 this would become the first ep and also the first alice in chains release to to hit the top of the of the charts We'll talk about the the singles as we get as we get through the the the, the album. Um, going back to the whole studio thing, in a uh, interview from from years ago, uh, Lane Staley said that uh, that the band just wanted to go into the studio for a few days with their acoustic guitars and see what happened. Um, we never really planned on the music we made at the time to be released, but the record label heard it. They really liked it, and for us, it was just the experience of four guys getting together in the studio and making some music. You know, going back to the the personnel of you know Jerry Jerry on on uh, lead guitar um, also really provides uh, on this. They really they really credit him as co lead vocals, and I think that this may have been the reason why it really hit home for me because you know as as i've made mention on plenty of episodes of the podcast harmonies gets me every time and this is definitely an album that is that is full of of those harmonies between lane and jerry and it just really it really works and i one of the things that one of the issues i don't know if that's really an issue but i don't Lane Staley's vocals and his voice are so much a part of Alice in Chains that when Jerry sings, I can't help but think of that it could the song, how much better the song might be if Lane Staley was singing it. I don't know. And I don't know that whether Jerry took more of a uh, more of a vocal duty out of necessity, because I mean, Lane Staley has well documented uh, uh, issues with uh, the smack. Uh but I think some of it is clearly um, narcissism. I mean, how many times has the guitarist played back, you know, in the background to the lead singer, but yet he's the guy that writes the music and in, a lot, in this case uh, writes a lot of the lyrics. And so, but everybody, you know, hears the, the voice and how much, and I, I'm, I wonder how much of that was a, a combination of, of being difficult to get Lane Staley. Cause I know their next album, their last album, took four months to produce because they couldn't, it was difficult to get him coherent and in the studio. And so that couldn't have, I mean, that didn't happen overnight, but I mean, Jerry Cantrell released a solo album that was critically and, and and commercially well-received. So um, I I don't know how much of this is he wanted to step out and get a little bit of the love for the the lead singer love, as well as uh, Lane's, you know, passed out with a needle in his arm. Yeah, maybe I go, go back to the, the first two Alice in chain records. I mean, you don't, you don't really hear Jerry taking any kind of co-lead or lead vocal type of type of sensibilities. It's definitely backing vocals. I feel on, on those couple albums. And it's not, it's not until, you know, they're, they're really on the map that you see the Jerry taking more of the lead on, on some of those vocals. And, and honestly, I don't know if that is maybe some foreshadowing that he knew that Lane wasn't going to be with us forever. You know, definitely that heroin addiction was, you know, the, the, 
cause of his demise. But also after the release of this particular EP, that's where Lane entered rehab. And the band was actually scheduled to tour with Metallica and Suicidal Tendencies during the that summer of 94 and they had to they had to cancel um because of of lane's addictions you know who they were replaced on that tour with this is just a travesty in itself oh i i I don't know that i can bear to hear but please tell me it's Candlebox. uh uh only thing that could have been worse was war babies (laughs) so the, and and after this was after this was released and after Lane went through his rehab, the band actually broke up for for several months. During that time off, we actually get Lane who teams up with Mike McCready from Pearl Jam, um, and they created Mad Season, which we're going to have to revisit Mad Season down the road because that's that first that first Mad Season album is so dark and so good yeah i'll i'll save all the i'll i'll save all the bio notes for for that um for whenever we end up doing mad season but um you you want to hear lane at his best at his darkest um that first mad season album really really is phenomenal oh great all right so uh let's let's talk personnel we've already talked about lane we've talked about jerry um, Mike Inez plays bass. Uh, Mike Starr, who was the original, or I think he was the original bassist, he left the band after Dirt, um, and part of that was because of, of quote-unquote differences in priorities, is, is how they called it. Um, really, you can interpret that as his priority. Uh, Mike Starr's priority was on the smack, as you, as you mentioned. Um, and, um, he actually passed away in what, 2010. Um, and that was because of his, his drug use. And then Sean Kenny, he is on, on drums for this. All right. Ready to, uh, jump into the tracks. Absolutely. All right. So, uh, here is the first song. This is Rotten Apple. get the first song on the album and i think it's also the first song on the album that tackles the topic of addiction that seems to be a recurring theme on this particular ep is that is that accurate (laughs) yeah and i think it was a reoccurring theme on uh dirt (laughs) as well yeah we die young oh yeah back to facelift yeah, I mean, go back to facelift for that. So uh, some of the lyrics, I repent tomorrow, I suspend my sorrow, sorrow, 
Yeah. Um, what I see is unreal. I've written my own part. Eat of the apple so young, I'm crawling back to start. So, yeah, I... I, I read I read all sorts of addiction and you know some of that some of that penance for the bad behavior, but I'll I'll suspend my sorrow to enjoy it for 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 the time being. Let me let me ask you this though on on this on this track does the does the vocal box or the talk box or whatever they call it does it work on this song? And I I can't say that it's that that this whole song. One of the, and I mentioned this criticism with Led Zeppelin one, but even in, I mean, this feels like a, a record label cash grab. I mean, at the time they were probably the biggest band in the world when you get, when I think back to that time. And this is, these guys went into a studio to, cause they didn't have a place to live. Their, their crash pad was, you know, with them being on tour for so long. <laughs> they they lost their lease so they had no place to go and so they all are living at basically living at london bridge studios and just recording stuff and somebody from the label hears it and and puts it out because there's four amazing songs on here there's two mm, all right pretty good songs and then there's this one which i don't i don't find it sounds uninspired it has a great opening bass riff but then it's it's a song that sounds like a lot of Alice in Chains songs. It's it reminds me of several, but never but nothing into you know nothing that that makes it remarkable or stand out on its own. So, did you answer my question on the talk box? I, I don't know, <laughs> uh, but I don't know that the talk box talk box made one difference to me, one way or the other. I just the song in and of itself yeah. sounds like it just. It sounds like maybe something that inspired several other uh, Alice in Chain songs and, and would have been left on, on the floor if it wasn't for right. them trying to get enough songs to put, a, put, a, put something out on the shelves. Maybe. I mean, do, do you consider all the other really popular talk box songs as the, the, to, to your point of just trying to finalize a song and it's like oh well this is this is kind of a a cool little uh special effect we can throw in there i mean let's let's talk about some of the talk box songs so living in a prayer yeah it works at the parts that they're doing i mean i don't know i don't know that i think if you took it out it would it wouldn't it wouldn't harm the song it doesn't make it any worse how about show me the way by peter frampton that's all that's all he ever did isn't all his songs like that it's all yeah. Uh, what about Motley Crue? Kickstart my heart. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's used in parts of the song, and it yeah. doesn't necessarily. I wouldn't say. I guess I'd have to hear it without it to know that it, if it took anything away from it. I feel like it it, it doesn't add anything necessarily. Yeah, you know, I think the only song for me that the talk box actually brings something to the table is uh, the Eagles' "These Shoes." that's a great song i I don't know that i would change that song so yeah yeah that yeah so uh what score are you giving this this is my least favorite this gets a one wow really okay this uh this gets a five for me (laughs) and i think it i think i think part of it is because of that bass riff i really that bass riff just brings me into this song so i 
I don't know. This I is re- a case really... of Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> yeah, well, you and I have both experienced that. Yeah, absolutely. Listening and listening to uh, the albums that we've assigned each other. So, yeah. All right, moving on. Uh, this is the second song on the album. This is Nutshell. songwriting credits for the ep um i don't know if you had a chance to look at song songwriting credits lane staley not credited at all on this ep for anything so the lyrics the lyrics which is weird which is weird because i read two different articles one was on av club and the other was uh from i mean i think it was on loudwire but describing how when they're in the studio there's the, their, the producer buddy that's hanging around and then the, the, the three of them on their instruments and they're, they're, they're breaking a track down. They're sending it upstairs and Lane is writing lyrics for it and bringing it down. That's that story was, I heard that in two different articles. So it is weird that he doesn't get any songwriting credits when they're making it. The, the article, two different articles that I read said he's, he's the one writing lyrics and then bringing it back down and they're, they're, or uh, put, putting the music and the lyrics together, so it, it, that is odd. Yeah, so so I I guess that's part of the whole mystery of are these lyrics lanes or are they were they fed to him? So I I don't know. I again going back to the songwriting credits themselves, I don't see his name being listed on here. So when I read anything of that magnitude or read anything on song meetings about the song, talking about how, well, Lane wrote this, he's talking about his, his addiction or talking about, you know, the, the rumors of his addiction. Did he or didn't he? I don't know that. I guess that's, that, that's the whole mystery. You know, after listening to this version on the unplugged album, it feels, it feels obvious of the irony of the lyrics as sung by Lane, who, by that time, that was a couple of years after this EP had been released. He was definitely a well-known addict. He had already gone through rehab. You know, if you listen to the the the, the songs on on Mad Season, uh, I mean, the River of Deceit. I mean, that's that's some dark stuff, man. You know what's really surprising to me is that there were. There were three singles that were released off of this EP. This was never released as a single. That bo- that boggles my mind. Yeah, I that I will agree with. I think uh, that this I can't believe this song. I mean, oh, it did make it onto the radio at least around here. Um, but yeah, this this song should have been much bigger. 
it's uh, and like the harmonizing you're talking about um, is definitely in on this one. Um, the lyrics uh, are um, describing, you know, the effects of fame. I don't know if that's, you know, and I don't know who wrote the lyrics because I have read and I, granted it's Wikipedia. So when it says the lyrics are written by Lane Staley, um, I don't know how, and I think that fame had to have had something to do with his addiction. Cause I mean, like yeah. I say, they've at this point in, in music, if you, I mean, and in fact, you made that the comment about Candlebox, and I made a joke about War Babies. People might not know who War Babies were, but they got a record contract because they were a band from Seattle, and that's all you had to be. Are bands like My Sister's Machine and Candlebox and and Sweetwater, which I, I enjoy Sweetwater, but um, War Babies. There was just any if you were a band in Seattle, you got a record contract. All right, and, and I mean that wasn't always a good thing. Yeah start 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 singing the song uh, that's on the single soundtrack you know everybody loves us it's so overblown yeah. yeah so this is probably the most covered of all Alice in Chain songs uh, the, the song has been covered by Stained um, they did a live version of this on their greatest hits album Shine Down and Seether have covered the song together, and uh, Sully Erna from Godsmack he covered this song during his solo tour in uh, 2013, and Ryan Adams has actually done a cover of this as well. So definitely covered, and again going back to my point of it was never released as a single. This is one of the most popular Alice in Chain songs, and yet it didn't have that backing from the the label as a single boggles the mind yep all right um so i'm just gonna throw that out here uh this is this is my favorite song on the cp and it's arguably my favorite alice in chain song okay well you're not i'm gonna say what my score is and then i'm gonna explain something okay. so just keep try to stay calm all right um this gets a four um but I will say this, I have a song I love, and then two, three, and the next three are tied for second. So this song is, in, in my heart, this song is tied for second. Okay. Fair enough. So it really, four, five, and six, my four, five, and six went. Could I, I, If you could see my notebook, I wrote them and scratched them and wrote it again. And it almost depended on what song I just listened to um, as to where where I wanted to rank it in it. And in the end, I couldn't pull a Netta and just forget and just, just start calling them, calling them all sevens or sixes. Right. Um, so if we were to do the Unplugged album, where where would the version of Nutshell on that particular album rank for that album? Well, that's I mean, that's probably the definitive version of that song. Yeah. I'd have to I, I'd have to listen to the album again. And because and, there's I really do have a an attachment to the songs from facelift because I, I do feel like I was listening to Alice in Chains before the rest of the world. Not, I mean, around here, I was probably a little bit behind, but of the rest of the world, I was way ahead. And so those songs on facelift, plus they're very angry and very dark. And that's my thing. Yeah. Oh yes. Yes, it is moving on. Um, so this is, I stay away. Crazy, I 
I Stay Away made its radio premiere in March of 94, and it would peak at number 10. Um, and that was uh, on the mainstream rock, rock tracks, was nominated for a Grammy Award for Best Hard Rock Performance of 95. I meant to do some homework and find out who actually won that. I didn't. Um, did you do any homework on that? Did you? I, I didn't. Okay. I didn't. Uh, I never really associate with these bands um, with Grammys. I don't even really. It's hard to associate hard rock and stuff with it for so long. When we were younger, Grammys were only won by Billy Joel and Fleetwood Mac and stuff like that. Nobody ever. Nobody like this ever won a Grammy. Yeah, well, when we talk about hard rock and heavy metal, I think the Grammys will forever be sullied because of Jethro Tull. So, <laughs> Absolutely. So maybe it just well they should. Uh, so maybe it just doesn't have any uh, doesn't have any bearing for us. So this was the second single off of, off of the album. I can't hear this song without thinking about the music video because it's so disturbing. <laughs> Um, the video was, uh, was you using the stop motion animation, which was, um, you know, about the time that like Wallace and Gromit, I guess were becoming popular and it includes the band members in puppet form. There's no, no appearances by the actual band for this music video, which was that because Lane was not available for a shoot uh that would be my guess and you're forgetting claymation uh the the roots with mr bill <laughs> that, that's the the grant the godfather of, Clay, of of claymation characters that video is disturbing though i agree uh i guess those puppets are in the rock and roll hall of fame oh yeah okay they're yeah they're an exhibit at the rock as part of the rock and roll hall of fame all right uh is the is the assistant to the blindfolded knife thrower is she is she alive or 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 did they or did they show the puppet in the rock and roll hall of fame with a knife sticking in her you know it's just i think it's just like uh guns and roses only some of the puppets were inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame <laughs> i think just just the band member puppets made it what a, any other commentary on this particular song oh i i got loads this is not this is one of the ones that's tied for second uh I, I, Lane Staley's voice has a, is just like in so many songs, this manic quality, like he almost like he's being chased by a monster or something. Um, I love the, the, the acoustic electric mix, you know, where they're playing acoustic guitars and then Jerry overdubs a electric solo over the top yeah. of it. Um, he's got that really spacey black Sabbathy solo in here. And then this, they use strings in here and they use them. I, I, I think they just knocked it out of the park by, using them just enough and in just the right spots that it really, they got a, a big, a huge effect out of, of using strings in a very limited way. Okay. So uh, you've already alluded that uh, this gets a high score. So what's your score on this? A six. A six. All right. I'm giving this a four. You're not, you're not freaking out because of that score. Well, you can't, you can't play both sides. I've already, I've already, okay. I, I've, I've, I've asked for you to accept my scores and then I, I in turn will re- accept yours. Okay. Cause I, I did accept your four. I don't, I don't agree with it, but I accept. Absolutely. It. I couldn't. And absolutely. 
Okay. I feel exactly the same way. All right, moving on. Uh, the next uh, next song is the first single. This is no excuses. Wanna take it slow. No more. No excuses would peak at number forty-eight on the Billboard Hot 100. It would that would be Allison Chain's only top fifty song. And even though it didn't fare as well on the Hot 100, this actually hit number one on the mainstream rock charts. That was until their song "Check My Brain" in two thousand nine. Um, which ended up also being a number one hit. So it was their their first first number one hit. The bass riff in this song is just awesome. I I, I really dig this bass riff. And uh, talking about the video on this, I, I thought it was I thought it was kind of interesting. I don't know if you if you rewatched any of the videos from from this EP, but um, Mike Inez and Sean Kinney. They're not found on this video. It's just Jerry and Lane. Thought that that was kind of interesting. Uh, you mentioned Mike Inez and you mentioned the bass work. It's actually came up on a couple other songs earlier. Uh, what an upgrade. Like uh, Mike Starr is, uh, uh, he's been in the Seattle. I mean, a friend, my, my very good friend who used to hang out at places like the Gorilla Gardens in the early 80s. Um, knew Mike Starr. And so he's been around a lot and he's the original bassist. So, but what an upgrade. I mean, Mike Inez is a phenomenal bass player. And he's still with the band right now. Yeah. Yeah. What a, it was, like I say, what an upgrade. I mean, I'm sure they, they had some reservations about replacing, you know, an original member and a friend of theirs, but wow. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else to talk about on no excuses? Yeah. You also mentioned check your brain and, um, Jerry Cantrell, his voice has there's some kind of a quality in it that I think when I originally heard this song a long time ago, I actually thought it was Lane Staley in a kind of a more lucid uh, uh, attitude. But you, you know, when you realize it's Jerry Cantrell, there is a quality to his voice that that reminds me of Lane Staley. But once again, the same reason that I can't fully embrace the new Alice in Chains is because as much as great as William Duvall is, he's still not Lane Staley and that he just had this incredibly unique voice yeah. um, with he, with this, you know, this tremendous amount of emotion, whether it was, you know, anger or frustration or whatever was he could, he just was uh, so expressive and it just, that, that it's so unique. And it just, to me is such an intricate part of the band. I mean, I don't think you could replace Jerry Cantrell and, or, and like say, taking out Lane Staley as great as, William Duvall is, and I love their new stuff. I, I still, I struggle with calling it Alice in Chains. Okay. Uh, and I think that there's a lot of people that disagree with you because, so I had an, I had an opportunity uh, a few weeks ago, actually, I guess a few months ago to see them live at, uh, at the Hard Rock here in Orlando. 
a friend of mine was trying to talk me into going and I'm like, nah, I'll just wait until, you know, until it gets closer. Um, you know, I'll get a cheap, cheap ticket. Cause I think they were, I, I, if I remember right, the tickets were like 60 bucks a pop, you know, and I, and the shows that I go to that I could, I could go to three shows for that amount. Um, so I was thinking, oh, I'll just get a, I'll get a cheap ticket. It was sold out. Like, there was a secondary market for those tickets and hard rocks, not, not a small venue. I mean, it's a, it's a decent size. So there is definitely, there is definitely still a following. I don't know how much of that is trying to uh, kind of recapture the, their nineties youth, or if they've really followed Alice and Chains, you know, progression into, I won't say a new sound, but, you know, it's, it's different with the, with the new vocalist. It's not Lane. You're never going to be able to replace Lane, but. I don't want to be misunderstood. It, they're incredible. I mean, uh, I listen to all the stuff The I think they've done three albums together. And I, I think it's, a, it's, it's uh, some of the best hard rock music out there. Um, I just, it just, there's it. Uh, I just, I guess I can't help when I listen to it of thinking, you know, what would it, what would it sound? How it, it, I feel like it would be better if it, it had Lane Staley's voice. Cause I mean, William Duvall's voice also, just like Jerry Cantrell, there's a, there's a quality in it that it reminds you of Lane Staley. It's not like a complete departure or anything. I mean, the music and the, and the, and the, the songs are very Alice in Chains, you know, uh, kind of a, a, a classic or standard sound for them. It's just, there's just, I mean, I would go definitely go see them. So I, I probably, I probably botched on that. Not, not going to see them. I, I would, if somebody asked me to go, I would have gone. All right. Well, I blew it. Uh, <laughs> all right. And people, people disagree with me. Uh, when has this started? <laughs> so what score are you giving this? I, I gave this a five. I'm giving this a six. So we are, uh, we're pretty close, um, closely aligned on that. All right. Next, uh, next song is the, uh, this is the equivalent of the Black Mountain Side from uh, Led Zeppelin One. This is a uh, Whale and Wasp. comment to that would be uh black mountainside seemed like something that didn't even sound led zeppelin it didn't even sound rock and roll this sounds like a really good really long intro to uh an alice in chain song that's never been written but like i bet if it was it would be awesome it's just it's i don't i don't know this is another one of those songs that i i attribute to the record label wanting to put something out and needing a certain amount of time on it because it's not, it's not, I mean, it's, it's good. I, I, I mean, I enjoy it, but it, it's almost feels like it goes nowhere because there's no, there's no song. Were you aware that this was, this was released as a single? I read that and to total disbelief. <laughs> yes. So there was a, there was a 
promo only single that was released in January 95 um, kind of boggles my mind that that was that was released. But this uh, candidly, this is like Black Mountainside. This is my least favorite song on the album. I'm not shocked. I gave it a three. I, 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 it, I don't have, I don't have strong feelings, you know, of, of it being bad. I just feels like to me, it sounds like an intro to a song I, I would love to hear, but they, it I just still never don't happens. understand how you can give Rotten Apple a worse score than this though. Uh, I, you're going to have to deal with it. I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, I'm not losing any sleep over it. Um, but yeah. Uh, sixth song on the EP, this is Don't Fall. This was released as the third single. Uh, this was released in October 94. Did not chart on the, on the Billboard Hot 100. Peaked at number 25 on the mainstream rock, rock tracks chart. Um, so it really didn't do a whole lot there. And um, I don't know. This is, this is another song about addiction. You know, pass me down the bottle. But I... I I don't know. I think that this is more of a suicide type of song than addiction. Maybe that, you know, we're talking cart before horse or whatever, but, um, you know, where they're saying, no, say goodbye. Don't follow. Yeah, that was just going to hollow. I was just going to reference that line. Say goodbye. Don't follow. I, I, I think this is, is about him watching his friend, um, you know, take this path and he can't seem to stop him and he knows where it's going to end. Yeah. I'm going to guess this is your top score. Uh, and I'm going to tell you, and one word, harmonica. That I guy, was... I don't know who Dave Atkinson is. I looked and looked and looked to try to find, I don't know who this guy is, but that harmonica solo, he, 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 uh, he made himself a legend in one song. And it's the harmonica on this and kind of the bluesy thing that's going on at the end of the song that saves this for me from getting my lowest score outside of, you know, well and wasp this, this gets a three for me. So I'm, you and I are definitely, uh, definitely listening to this album differently. Cause this is, this is your top song. Absolutely. I love this song. Yeah. I, and I, you know, this is a definitely a song because Lane comes in on the bridge and it makes me feel like I just, I would have loved to have heard have heard him do this entire song. I think he was perfect, yeah. perfect for him. Um, I think it was pro probably a written, you know, basically with him in mind, I think. And, uh, but yeah, I, I love this song. But like I say, well, that, that harmonica, that guy, is, that guy just 
is it was amazing i really loved it this is a song after i listened to this a couple times i'm really actually surprised that this was not a song that they decided to to do during their unplugged because this this seemed like it would have been would have translated well to that stage oh i think so maybe it's because they didn't have dave atkinson around to play the harp yeah, I could not find anything on this guy. I couldn't yeah. find out if he was dead or alive, or I couldn't find any credits to him getting anything else. Um, I don't, I don't know if he was just a friend of theirs or what, but uh, it's crazy. Yeah. All right. So, lastly, the last song on the EP. This is "Swing on This." song just doesn't work for me on uh it parts of the the verse i start to get into it and then they go into that chorus with that with that weird that swing rhythm thing that just doesn't this doesn't work i just couldn't i just couldn't get i couldn't get into this song okay i think that this is yet another song about addiction mother said come home father said come home sister said come home so my friend said, come home, and I said, let me be. I'm all right. Getting skinny. Can't you see I'm just fine? Little skinny, okay? I'm asleep anyway. Yeah. Um, I'm, uh, I'm definitely chalking this up to yet another addiction song. So we've got, let's see, how many addiction songs are on this EP? I, At least four? I'm not four? sure that all of them don't have some, <laughs> some reference to it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, whale and wasp, we don't know because they never really said anything. All right, let's let's wrap this up. Um, any any uh, ideas what our top top song is? Uh, no excuses. So we've got no excuses. Five and a half each. Don't follow. I stay away. Five and then rotten apple. Well, why wouldn't rotten apple get a four since there's only two of us and it got eight points? Um, so I gave it a five, you gave it a one. Oh, okay. What did you, what was your top score? My top score was nutshell. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I thought you gave top score to rotten apple, which wouldn't surprise me. Crazy no. crap you pull. <laughs> Absolutely not. It's a good song, but no, did not, did not put that on its top score. But, but thanks for giving me the uh, benefit of the doubt. Appreciate that. Well, I try. I'm a fair-minded guy. <laughs> uh, with all of the synonyms that I have for you, that is not one of them. But okay, self-proclaimed. So self, self, self-proclaimed. All right. Well, it's the lies we tell ourselves. All right. Um, oh crap! I'm looking. I'm looking at our uh, at our comments here. 
And I asked, what are we revisiting next week? And you said, oh, we're, already, we already, we already mentioned that we're doing Dookie. So we're, we're out of sequence here. Oh, that's right. Well, I, I, I don't think it was written on the other notes. And so I, I got them confused with these. It's all good. Well, nope. Nobody's paying attention to that kind of crap. Yeah. Things, things change. Roll with the punches. That's right. All right, so uh, so so next episode, twenty fifth anniversary of Green Day's Dookie, and uh, Wayne, it's been a pleasure revisiting with you. Oh, you too, Bench. All right, so thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. Go to a live show, buy a T shirt of the band, buy a record, visit a record store, and not just on Record Store Day. We are Records Revisited, and we are out. out.